Good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. If this is your first time here, welcome. You are so glad. We are so glad that you can be here. I need to slow down and speak clearly. Uh, my name is David Mathis. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Ruben here is our is our other co-pastor. Uh, he's going to be teaching in our Spanish service in the following hour. God has led us as a church to be a, a family, one family that speaks two languages, but we have one hope in Jesus Christ, and uh, excited about what God has made here, um, and excited really to be in ministry with my brother Reuben here. Um, so thankful for what God has put together, um, and to be a part of it. This morning we are continuing through our study of the book of Philippians. It is a letter that Paul wrote uh, from prison in Rome to Philippi, the church that was in Philippi. And our theme as we go through the book of Philippians is rejoicing. I will rejoice. And what we looked at last week was the, the incredible truth that when we say, I will rejoice, it is not an empty resolve to ignore what the reality is around me and just put on a happy face. But instead, it is to walk in truth, to in truth see my circumstances in the truth of my own brokenness, to then see the truth of God's grace upon my life. And in him, I find real substantial reason to rejoice. Um, and so we're going to be digging further into what it means to rejoice this morning. Uh, turn with me in Philippians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 18, and, and this is picking up where we had been last week, uh, where Paul was talking about those who were against him, who, who were posing as Christians, but, but they were in some manner, out of their own selfish ambition, thinking to afflict Paul, who was in prison. Um, they were sharing Christ in some way uh, that was against um, him. I don't know exactly what that was, but we do know that Paul's response was, to say, what then, in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And we were encouraged to figure out within our own lives, what is it that we can look at in the Lord, in Christ, that we can rejoice in, um, in our own lives. And then it ends in, in verse 18 to pick up, actually starting into the next Sentence, uh, another evidence that these, these verses and chapter numbers were added later. They weren't a part of the, the original text, but uh, it says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. To glory 
in Christ Jesus. That's what we're gonna look at this morning. What is it to glory in Christ? Certainly the testimony of, of Eric and David this morning as they're talking about uh, what God did to just prepare them, to send them, to, to provide the finances, to send uh, David along with Eric. And, and while they were there, the word that God had put on Eric's heart and the, the many, every time they talk about how many officers they talk to, the number seems to keep getting bigger. Um, and, and just to see how God is using that and spreading that influence throughout Honduras and and. These are things that, that God is doing. It's a testimony of Christ. And so it's reason for us to glory in Christ. And when you're, the closer you are to that, um, there is real joy, substantial joy that comes because you just got to see God doing something incredible. You got to be a part of it. And so you got these two men coming back from Honduras. They are on fire for the Lord because they just got to be right in the midst of God doing a work that's outside of the normal every day that they do. That's glorying in Christ. That's boasting in Christ. That's saying, look at my Lord and Savior, and I got to be a part of this, and that is where our rejoicing is found. The main substance of rejoicing comes when we find reason and cause to glory in Christ. This is something, what it is to glory in Christ is something that is understood by experience, by those who've trusted in Christ. Maybe it's not a term that you've heard before, but there's gotta be things in your life. If you have put your faith in Christ where there's been those moments where God has made himself real and known to you, could be in the smallest thing. Could be something where you were just praying and he just showed you by, by something in creation or something that just happened that I am real and I am here and I am taking care of you and then your heart just gets full. That's glory in Christ. That's, that, that's experiencing Christ. And so experientially, anyone who has put their faith in Christ knows something about what it is to glory in Christ. And kind of encourage you this morning, if you don't know Christ, what we're talking about this morning is the joy of following Jesus. And we all need Jesus because we all have the same problem that we carried from birth is that we have a sin nature. See, what we learn in scripture is that there is a holy God, one God who created all things, and, and that, that we have, all of us, rejected God, and that is the experience we grow up with as an experience of being against God. I say, well, I'm not really against God. Well, I put myself first, and in doing that, I am against God, and I don't see my sin necessarily for what it is, but the reality that we find out in Scripture is that my sin is deserving of death. A holy God cannot have sin in his presence, so I can never know my creator because of the sin that's in me, but God in his love, and that's what we find in the Scripture, sent Jesus. That's the one we're talking about this morning. Sent his son Jesus to become a man, to put on flesh, to experience everything we experience, every temptation that we experience, but without sin, so that Jesus voluntarily could go to the cross. And because he was without sin, he could stand in our place to take the wrath of God on himself 
so that now through faith in Christ, not by me earning my way out of those handcuffs, that's such a great picture of where we are at in our sin. It is impossible for us to break out of that. But through faith in Christ, he has broken the chains of sin. And so what we're talking about this morning is the joy. Having put my faith in Christ, what it is now to follow Christ and to glory in Christ and to find joy in my life, not because of what I pull out of my circumstance, not because of of what I have accomplished in myself, but because of what Christ has done and what he's doing in and around me. So let's read, well, actually, we just read. Let's pray before we get into, again, Philippians 1.18. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I commit this morning into your hands because David is not able to take your word and speak it in a meaningful way, but we know your Holy Spirit, God, is the one who illuminates your word, who opens our hearts to the truth of your word. So God, give me your words to speak, that it would be truth. And then it would be cutting to the very core of our heart, God. Open our hearts to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, again, in Philippians 1.18, just starting at the end there, Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. That is a confident, that's not just, okay, I'm gonna rejoice no matter what happens. This is actually saying there is a reason that's gonna come in the future and God has revealed it to him Uh, that he will have reason to rejoice. And we see that here. Uh, But he says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And Paul begins to just kind of uncover just the raw realness of who he is. And and in this passage, we get to see just just the real heart of Paul and, and struggle of Paul and where he's at. Um, but there is this confidence that he has that of, of what this thing that's gonna happen in the future. And he says, and, it, and as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now he's not saying here, and I know because of the confidence he has at the beginning and end of the section, he's not putting into question whether or not he will be freed uh, from prison and he will see them again. There, there's confidence in that. But he's saying this is consistent with what is my, my hope and, and, and my expectation that, that no matter what, see, I belong to Christ. And, and as his, he is going to go honor himself, to glorify himself in my body, whether it's through life or death, that, that I am confident of that, that God is going to use me for his glory. Do we have that same confidence? I know there's some times where I go, God, how, how can you use me, broken me, me who, who doesn't always follow you perfectly, who doesn't always do everything right? But do you realize that when you put your faith in Christ, you became his? And he is not gonna let go. And he's gonna use you, whether in life or death or anything else, uh, we can be confident that Christ is going to use us for his honor. And so Paul says, as it is my eager expectation 
expectation that Christ is going to be honored in my body, hope that Christ will be honored in my body, that I will not at all be at all ashamed, which we know in this context there are those who are trying to put him to shame as he's in prison, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ is going to be honored. He's not really caring about whether he is honored. Christ is going to be honored in my body whether by life or by death. And then he says this wonderful verse, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm gonna focus first on the first part of that. For me to live is Christ. That sounds similar to Galatians 2.20, but it's not the same. Galatians 2.20 says, uh, for I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's an important verse about our identity in Christ and the fact that, that through faith in Christ, now spiritually, I have, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Just as Christ was buried, my old self has been buried with Christ. I'm in Christ. And just as Christ rose from the dead, now I have a new life that he has given me. That is true. That's who I am. But this statement that Paul is making is not so much about who he is in Christ, but his motivation what his life is about, my life's purpose. Who I am is in Christ, but why I live is Christ. Everything about why I live is Christ. Why I get up in the morning. Everything that, that Eric was saying, that, that from, from morning till night, my life is motivated by, my life's purpose, why I do what I do, why I go to work, why I spend time with my family, why I do anything is Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. For me to live is Christ. So the first thing that I, I want us to just recognize this morning as we're going through this passage is that God has given me a life to live. This is a gift from God. He has given me a life to live. You know, yesterday afternoon, I was on my porch um, studying. Uh, Saturday's my biggest day to study for Sunday. And just enjoying, it was a beautiful day. There was a breeze coming through. We have a lot of trees, and so there was shade. And, and the soundtrack that God has of nature in Texas, um, we don't have that in California so much. It's much louder here in Texas. Uh, there's more bugs, there's more birds. I love it. It's, it's just teeming with life. And as I was just sitting there and just reflecting on the fact that creator God, who created all of that that I was seeing, the wind and the trees and the life that was there, and I watched the ducks going down to the pond, and all of that is what, what creator God had created. And then just to reflect on, on the brokenness uh, of humanity that has rejected God. But, but still, God's love and grace is right there. That not only has God created all things, but he continues to sustain all things in himself, which means his love and grace is everywhere to be seen. The fact that we still are here and we're getting to enjoy his creation. And then to think that he reached into this world and he actually called me individually, called me to be his child. 
that he sent his son who, who would know my name so that I could know him. To just think about that. And then to think that, that God has in that, through my faith in Christ, now given me a new life to live. It's to his purpose. And to be a part of this purpose that he's doing, not just in my life, but if I look in my family, he's got a purpose that he's doing there. And I look in this church and the purpose that he's doing here. And I look just in all of Austin. God is infinite and great. And and even in in Texas and and in the nation and, and in all of the nations, God is working to this purpose of his grace on this world that has rejected him, love and grace to this world. And personally, he has given me a new life to be a part of the work that he is doing in this world. And to just think of that. And not only is he giving me that life, but he is every day a part of my life, actively working in everything around me for my good and for the good of those all around me that he's calling to himself. God has given me a new life to live. So it's no longer about me making something of myself, is it? My life isn't isn't about trying to get the most out of this time that I'm alive to get the best experience out of this life and and just enjoy it while I have it. That's not the purpose of this life he's given me. The purpose is so much greater. See, that purpose is a purpose that ends. it's, It's gone. In, in really no time at all when I think of the history of the world, but the purpose of the life that he's given me to live has effects into eternity, and it's a part of a much greater purpose than me. It's all about living the life that God has given me. So do we have in this life those moments where our heart is full, where we just see what God is doing around us, because he is daily working in our lives. Do we see what he's doing and, and find these moments where our heart is just full of his praise? That's what it is, the glory in Christ. So what was Paul's reason that he expected to rejoice? We see that there, there at the top, but then we also see it um, at the end of this section in verse 25. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. That they would have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. See, he's saying, you Philippians have been praying for my deliverance from jail. And, and what he is looking forward to that is his reason to rejoice is the answer to their prayers. And God's already revealed it to him that this is gonna happen. And so he says, I will rejoice. And this purpose is for their joy and their increase in faith. So the question for us this morning, and I, I wanna look at three things I think we can find in this passage about this, but I want to I want to ask ourselves: How do I find cause to glory in Christ? See, he saw it, and he saw it coming. God, God gave him that revelation. But but 
how do I find cause to glory in Christ? And I think there's three things in this passage that we can look at from Paul uh, that, are, that are present, and in my own experience have been present in those times um, that I have found to glory in Christ. And the first one we find there right in Philippians 1.19, that they were praying. It says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. How do I find glory in Christ? There's gonna be prayer and help of the Spirit. Prayer and help of the Spirit. For whatever reason, God has designed it that he wants us to ask for things. So that then he can answer that prayer and then we can connect the dots and see, look, it was God working that accomplished this thing. So we need to be praying. We need to be lifting these things up in prayer. And, it, and it's not like my prayer is causing anything to happen. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working. It's the power of God working that's accomplishing these things. But he wants us to ask him. That's, that's part of how he leads us to a path of really being able to glory in him, is, is starting with prayer. So are we regularly bringing our request to God in prayer? I praise the Lord for how he's made prayer a part of Hope Church. Um, and, I, and we can't have enough prayer. The formation of Hope Church was bathed in, in prayer and seeking the Lord on our knees because we sure didn't have the answers. And, and we were, were seeking the Lord in prayer and we got to see him answer those things and that was reason to glory in Christ. We, just had, we had our second prayer walk. Uh, we're gonna have more. Um, our prayer walk and prayer drive where we're going through the neighborhoods here in East Kyle and we're, we're gonna try to get into each of the major neighborhoods and just take time to walk the streets and pray for what we see. You see how important that is as we understand that what God wants us to do, he wants us to lead with prayer and then he wants to answer that prayer so that now we can see his glory and his, that's him that's doing that. We wanna reach this community, don't we? And so what better thing can we do right now than to pray, than to lift up every area of East Kyle that we wanna see God work to pray so that when he comes and he reaches into this community, we can look back at this time and say, look how God answered our prayer and the joy that he will give us in that as we glory in Christ and glory in his work. So how critical is it that we pray? There is a group me chat that started before this church started. Um, Anyone is welcome to be a part of that. What mostly comes through that chat is prayer requests and people saying, I'm praying for you. Or like me, I hit the little heart on everything. If I hit heart on yours, that means I'm I saw it and I'm praying for you. I'm less chatty. <laughs> but it's, it's a wonderful thing to see the life in a church, as people are lifting each other up in prayer, and then you see God answering those prayers, and that's glory in Christ. That's us going, look at what God has done. There's a prayer group that meets. When you put prayer requests, which I encourage you, if you got something on your heart that needs to be prayed for, put it on the card and put it in there. Those get prayed for. And, and Shelly leads our, our prayer ministry and, and she meets. I wanted to make sure I get the times right. She meets on Thursdays at 6.30 at Fellowship Church and meets on Thursdays at 10 a.m. at an address that you... Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Sorry, the other T. 
She meets on Tuesdays. I'm thank you for that. On at 6:30 at fellowship and at 10 a.m. At, at someone's house, which you can ask her for the address of that. Um, and then every Sunday morning, uh, they're meeting to pray at 8 o'clock a.m. before the service services start to lift up what God's doing here, because what we want to see is God working in this church. And how are we going to expect that to happen if we don't lead in prayer? So are we regularly bringing our requests to God in prayer? Second thing I think we can pull from this passage that's right along there in the context of of where we find ourselves glorying in Christ is to reach the end of myself. How many times have I reached the end of myself and then found reason to glory in Christ? We see Paul here as he's just being transparent in his own life Uh, In verse 22, he says, uh, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul was was getting closer to the end of his life here. And he saw his life was all about Christ. For him to live... That was Christ. But far better was to be in the presence of Christ. And that's what he wanted. That's what he wanted in his heart. And he's just being honest here. that This is my desire, and I'm hard-pressed. I can't choose. I can't can't figure out which one I should do equally. I I want you to be encouraged in your joy and faith, but I also just want to be with my Lord and Savior. And And so in himself, he's torn. Paul has in himself reached the end of himself, and I'm sure there was many times in his life that the reality of Paul, just Paul, human Paul, he was reaching the end of himself time and again. How many times have I reached the end of myself? There's so many different ways. One one way, if I look back on my life, that God has led me to the end of myself has just been in in the simple area of finances, in, in money, it's one of those things that we all struggle with is, is just to live, I need money. But if I go all the way back to when I was a high schooler, um, homeschooled high schooler, uh, I thought the biggest challenge of my life in front of me was the fact that in order to get a car, I needed a job, and in order to get a job, I needed a car. We live 15 minutes from everything, right? I'm sure many of you have reached that position. And so for me, that was what I was on my knees for. God, see, I was praying. God, I need, I need to figure this out. I need, a, I need a car. How's that gonna work? And then God provided a car. And it was, it was reason to glory in Christ. For me, in my young heart, learning to trust God, it was reason to glory in Christ. And as I did get a job and I, I learned the, the discipline of tithing of what I was giving, God was testing my heart to see, David, are, are you trusting me with, with what I'm giving you? And, and then um, out of high school, and I'm thinking about college and, and you know, computer engineering. I already had it set in my mind. I was going to end up at UCSD, and I was going to get my degree in computer engineering. Um, I, I love computers. I've been programming since I was seven, and it was just, that was my thing. And straight out of high school, uh, an, an internship opened up at, at the company, SAIC, where my dad worked. And so I was able to actually to go with him. I didn't even need a car at that point. 
but, but for that summer then, I, I got to work programming. I got to do the thing that I wanted to do. And that was reason to glory in Christ because I was trusting him. I was asking him to provide this path ahead of me. Boy, uh, young adults, as you're looking to God, there's so much that you have at that season of life to just lay out, God, what is my life gonna be? Because there's big questions to answer at that point. Trust him with those things. And as he provides things, glory in Christ through those things. And as I, as I ended that summer and I was looking at going to, you know, do some junior college and then I'd transfer out of there and trying to figure that all out, uh, a piece of code that I had written, my, my brother took to, to Qualcomm. He, worked, he was an engineer at Qualcomm. He took that. That ended up being a resume for me to get an internship at Qualcomm, which would be a place that I worked for the next 14 years. And in that, God provided, they paid for all of my schooling in college all the way through. And so there was reason to glory in Christ as he was providing for me in that. And in 97, married my wife, and you've got kind of these new financial things that you're starting to look at. In 98, Qualcomm stock went up 2,800%, and I found myself as a young married, a multimillionaire on paper with with stock options. I couldn't exercise them all at that time, but, but on paper, a multimillionaire. And I looked at God and I said, praise God, he's provided way more than I need. And for the first years of our marriage, um, as those options became available, boy, we were able to enjoy and, and to do ministry and to do things that we wouldn't have been able to do any other way. And that was to the glory of Christ because I was trusting him in that. But then, but then I started to realize that lots of money does, there's something true in the Bible about you can't serve two masters. And there was something in my heart with all of that that, that just I recognized and God convicted me that, that, that just wasn't quite set right. And, and I, I struggled with that and I said, God, how can I know? I know intellectually that everything I have is yours, but it, but how do I get tested in that when I have so much and I, I don't really have great need? I can always get out of jail free for a bad financial thing because I just go exercise some more options, right? But then God gave me ways. There, there was one time I was, I was just on my knees convicted about that and, and this surprise new set of options came in that I didn't know was coming. I said, praise the Lord. It was an answer to prayer. There was something substantial I could give away and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me that just to give away and, and to grow my heart. And, and it was reason to glory in Christ. And then, and then God called me away from, from Qualcomm to join up with this group, a wonderful group of guys that had a ministry heart in business. And, and joined up with them to lead their software development. And that was uh, 2008 when the market went And so I found myself uh, struggling in a startup company, really not getting any income. But I'd never learned how to budget. I mean, from out of high school, I had, I had money coming in. Uh, from the beginning of my marriage, I had stock options to exercise. I didn't I didn't know how to budget, or, and, and we had this lifestyle that was, you know, we were spending a lot of money. And, and so in that time, we didn't change our lifestyle. And, and the reserves went down and down and down. And we reached a point where for the first time, I had no way out. 
everything was maxed out. Everything was tapped out. There was, there was nothing. And for the first time in my life, what I knew intellectually, I got to experience in reality that God would provide for my needs. And I can tell you more than any of those things that happened before that, it was reason to glory in Christ because I learned to trust him. And after that, he provided for our needs. We're able to sell a company that for seven years would provide a monthly income for us, that, that there was very little that we needed on top of that to survive. And, and there was things that God was, God was providing along the way that were reason to glory in Christ. And he was teaching us how to be good stewards of what we had and how to budget and how to do those things. And even now, that's something regularly that we get to see Something comes up. It's like if there's a new money coming in, sometimes you just wonder, you know, what's the thing that's gonna come up that God just provided the money for? Because he does that. Or sometimes he does it in, in the much more difficult way, and I don't, don't know why I still have a difficulty sometimes trusting him because he's done it so many times, but the thing comes up that I don't have provision for, and all the way up to the last minute until he provides in means that I didn't expect for that thing. And it's reason to glory in Christ. The finances are just the tiniest part of reason to glory in Christ. It's like, it's like the beginner level of, of that. When we really look at what God's doing and we look at how he has taken a heart of stone out and he's softened and put a heart of flesh in me and he's changed my heart towards those around me and we, and we look at how he's freed me from sin and how in my weakness he has strengthened me and and how he's building and sustaining relationships that I'm in. There's time and again reason to glory in Christ for what he is doing. And then we look at something like Hope Church and how God has, has brought it together and, and it's reason to glory in Christ. I can tell you that everyone who's been a part of leading Hope Church has reached the end of themselves in this process and we've had to be on our knees before God and we've got to see him come through and do something that only he can do. And it's to his glory and praise that he's done that. I can tell you as I think about what, what it means to reach the community around us, that's that, I've, I've right there reached the end of myself. I can't do that. But I know that if we're on our knees before him, it'll be to his glory when we get to see him affect the community around us and to be a part of that. All right, the third thing we can see in here that, that as God takes us to this point of reaching the end of ourselves, um, we reach a point where we need to submit to him, submitting to Christ. And we see Paul doing that here. See, he, he didn't know in himself it's like, they're both equal. I, to, to go and be with Christ, that is far better. But to be here I, for your sake, I, I wanna do that. So what did it come down to? It came down to following Christ. It wasn't Paul's decision. It was God's decision. It was Christ leading him, saying, here's what I'm gonna do, and, and giving him that assurance that here's what you're gonna do. This is gonna happen. This is my purpose. So there's no doubt uh, that I'm gonna that you're gonna be freed from this and, and you're gonna be visiting the Philippians. And so um, in verse 24, he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know 
that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. What was God's purpose in that? Their joy, their faith, the increase of that because, because they would see the, their prayers answered in that, that they would see God working and they'd, they'd be able to see firsthand, yes, God, that we have put our trust and faith in, this is another reason that they could glory in Christ. And so my prayer for us is that we would have ample reason to glory in Christ. So that later when it's saying, rejoice always in the Lord, that we'll have this storehouse of reason to rejoice in the Lord because of what Jesus has been doing. Do you see that it was God's purpose, not Paul's purpose? that he go and be with them again. It was God's purpose that their joy would be increased and that their faith would be increased. And do you see that 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 purpose is consistent with God's purpose for you and for us? God wants us to increase in our faith and joy. And so as we follow him in prayer, as we find the limit, as, as we're following Jesus and we find those limits to where, where this is too big to handle. That, that, that little saying, God never gives you more than you can handle, is, is not in the Bible. It's, it's quite the opposite. A God who loves you gives you more than you can handle so that you have to put your faith in him and so that you can see him work and so that you can glory in Christ. That is the truth. We can expect it. Philippians 3.8, Paul's heart. Boy, he had reason to glory in himself, but he saw all of that as nothing. Philippians 3.8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. That's where we find rejoicing. You guys can come up for the worship. Listen, if, if this morning uh, God's brought to mind something that he has done in your life, it's reason to rejoice. Something where you got to see God working. Where you, your heart was full in that moment because you're just like, wow, that was God did that. And boy, those, there's so many ways that that happens. There's those moments when I'm reading my Bible and, and, and there's been something going on and, and I read that verse and, and suddenly it dawns on me, God gave me that verse. That it wasn't just a random me reading my Bible and everything. He actually showed me his truth in that moment. I get to, I get to see that God's hand is active in my life and that, that he's speaking to me from his word. That's reason to glory in Christ. That's, that's evidence of God's hand working in my life to his glory. There's those big things, life-changing things where he does that. There's, there's just a little thing. Um, what was it? The other day, I, I was, it was some, a couple months ago when we had some of the big rains, and, and I was driving, and I was just, I was just saying, God, I, it was, I think it was we were about to meet as elders, and I, and I was saying, God, this, this can't be us. It can't, it can't be 
our ideas or, or, or our agenda. This needs to be you. And, and just confessing that before God and, and trusting him with it. And then I turned the corner towards John's house and there stretched out in front of me was the most beautiful double rainbow from end to end. I knew that wasn't just chance. Is God saying, look, I'm gonna take care of you. That's that rainbow of promise, but just in glory, just showing off. But there's so many different ways that it could be the littlest thing or the biggest thing. If there's something that came to mind in your own life, during this next song, can you just meditate on that? Because we're gonna worship the Lord and we're gonna rejoice in him. We're gonna glory in him for, in all of the reasons that he's given us to do that. Let's worship the Lord right now. And Father, your name is beautiful. God, there's a reason that we can glory in your name because your name is above every name. You are our king. God, when you work, it is to a mighty work that is worthy of praise. It's not empty praise, God, that we give when we see you work. It's praise to the only one who's deserving of praise. And God, I just pray that you would open our eyes to see. God, we want to have reason, ample cause to glory in you. So open our eyes to the work that you're doing. I don't, in my own life, God, I don't want to be so caught up in the busyness and craziness of the week that I miss it. Give me eyes to see so that from morning to night, I'd be looking for your glory and reason to glory in you. We love you, Lord. It is so good to serve you. It's so good to have the life that you've given us to live. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.